Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tapcalf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast live right now featuring my bookshelf. I am your host for this week, once again, Corey, and joining me is my more energetic than usual co-host, because he's got his coffee, Mr. It's tea. I don't drink coffee anymore. Okay, well, he's got tea. Makes me not feel good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Did did you drink a lot of coffee before? Um, when I was in law school, yeah, and like probably like the three years after that, yeah, mm. like probably two cups a day. Now I drink like four cups of tea a day, and you only feel good because it's basically just soupy water. Yeah, better than yeah. soapy water. Drinking that mm-hmm. doesn't go very well. That's but what cilantro tastes like to me. Anyway. I'm not sure if I'm uh, someone who can taste cilantro normally or with the soapiness. I kind of want to test that, but yeah, it tastes like shit. If if you've got the soapy gene like I do, yeah, awful, just awful. But if you've got soapy jeans, then sometimes they come out nice and clean and you can wear them some more. That's true. How many days in a row would you have to wear jeans without any sort of major like, oh, you got them muddy or you spilled a drink on them? Before you wash them. In a row? Like... Yeah. Ugh. Like, just normal, my life, sitting here, I'm not particularly sweaty that day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe... Three weeks? Okay. Because I used to... I used to wash my jeans every three days, and my, my dad was like... You're a freak. Yeah, that, that ruined them. <laughs> it's like, you're a freak. Don't do that. I used yeah. to wash them. Like, I used to wear them once and then wash them. And it just, it was bad. Shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. So, yeah, that if I'm doing... Start coming apart and stuff. Yeah, if I'm doing something strenuous, I'll just not wear jeans. Not which wear is, jeans. Uh, I only wear jeans now, so I don't unless do you're on the Unless you're on the ranch, then you gotta yeah. wear your jeans. Like, I, I bought shorts for the first time in a few years. And uh, now I've oh, actually wow. got shorts that fit. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. All right. So today we're talking about Before the Storm, which is book one of the Black Fleet Crisis. Yeah, that's correct. But uh, yeah, so so people are saying that or I think you were telling me that I messed this up because we have into the we have into the dark before the storm. And then isn't there into the storm as well or into I can't remember. There's so storms and darks and shit. So there's. Out of the shadows, then into the dark, as the young reader High Republic books. Okay. Then there's Black Fleet Crisis before the storm. Then there's uh, High Republic: The Rising Storm is the one we just right. read, which you called Into the Storm. Into the storm. Yeah. But after That's the Black Fleet Crisis, there's the Darkness Crisis. Because I told Dana we were reading the Black Fleet Crisis now on the podcast. And she was like, didn't you just read that? And I was like, no, that's Darkness Crisis. Still a dark color, then a noun, then Crisis, and a trilogy. And a lot of connections, actually, between uh, Darkness and Black Fleet. Uh, one has Luke learning about his mom. The other has Luke getting conned into learning about someone who isn't his mom. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, so... Before we get into that, though, should we talk about do a quicker Star Wars news roundup than last time? Yeah. Anything nice. you want to talk about? Because there's really not much. Uh, overpriced theme or overpriced resort kind of thing. That's about it. Mm. Yeah. So they revealed the prices for the Galactic Star Cruiser. 
I mean, it's hard to say that it's overpriced. Like, I think it's kind of in line, like, with how much you get. But it's just, like, it's so ludicrously expensive. So, for those who don't know, there's basically, like, a... It's it's called the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's, like, a immersive hotel kind of connected to Disney World, I guess. Um, and for two days for a family of four, it's $6,000. So... That's, yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Like that's like I'll, like I'll never be going there. Most people will never be going there. And it's just like, how do you even tell your kids? Like, explain to them why you can't go on the sweet Star Wars spaceship. <laughs> it's like it's so expensive. Yeah, like who's the target audience for this? Like, it's I think it would be essentially us, but maybe I just don't want to go do anything ever. So maybe not. But like, I haven't seen anyone mm -hmm. who would be like, yeah, I want to go and spend that much money for that. What's the capacity there is what I want to know. Like if it's one room, it's, that's always going to be full. Oh. Then I could see that. But I think there's like 130 suites, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. crazy expensive. It's uh, like there's going to be one reserved for two. me, one for you, one for uh, Templin Institute and Star Wars Explained. Mm -hmm. But like, who do the rest go to? Yeah, and the only thing I don't, and there's no single person suites either, so you got to at least get two. So I mean, either you're bunking up with a buddy or you're just paying extra, but crazy. Yeah. Um, we also got Bad Batch season two confirmed today. Yep. Um, which I mean, it was shocker. Yeah, pretty obvious that that was coming. Still nice to have um, it uh, confirmed yeah. even before the season ends, because I really liked the last episode as well. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if you did a uh, video no. review on it. But... I haven't. No. Uh, yeah. I might do one on the finale before we get to covering it on the podcast, but uh... right. So um, the way it's working now is uh, they're saying it's a two-part finale. Really, I think more more reasonably, it's kind of like a three-part finale with this last episode being part one, and then the next two weeks will be parts two and three. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, the next episode actually comes out tonight. So what we yeah. are talking about doing is we'll move TapCap next week to the Friday. That right. way we can talk about the entire... We'll do like a season roundup episode. Yeah. And then do we want to announce what we're doing after that? Uh, Yeah, we can. So uh, so next week is going to be Bad Batch finale recap. But the week after that, we're going to be covering Star Wars The High Republic Into the Dark. Uh, which is one of the High Republic young readers, not or not, I don't think it, it's like teen, not young readers. Yeah, it's the I think Star Wars. Yeah, it's yeah. uh the young adult novel that just came out uh, by Claudia Gray, and we're going to have a guest for that episode from Kings and Generals. So yeah. that's pretty cool. It's gonna be epic. Mm -hmm. Yep, very epic. So with that being said, let's get right into Before the Storm. And I was kind of going into this. I was a bit uncertain. I remember this book, this whole series, which is by, I, I, I don't want to say his name wrong because he specifically says how to say it. Michael Kuby McDonald, McDowell. I thought it was Michael Kube or Kube, but Michael Kuby uh, McDowell. It's sort of like military sci-fi almost in mm -hmm. Star Wars, which is kind of, it's not, it's not unwelcome. It's just, it's different. A lot of politicking in this book. A lot of it set on Coruscant, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I think we both kind of agree that that part of the book was pretty good, or yeah. at least I think that you texted me something like that, that you enjoyed that, but there's multiple kind of plot threads going on. The main kind of threat in this book is the Duskon League, the Avathan Duskon League 
from the uh, Kunot cluster. Uh, they're like the this race of uh, xenophobic aliens, of course, uh, who have managed to steal some Imperial Super Star Destroyers and Star Destroyers and basically have this massive fleet. Um, basically what happened is the Empire had shipyards there and the uh, the the Evathans, uh rose up and kind of stole their shit. And this book kind of starts off with the Duskon League making some uh, diplomatic, uh, well, apparently making some diplomatic efforts on uh, on Coruscant. Yeah, so there's the three main plot threads. One being that kind of Duskin League focused one uh, that has some new characters like Atana Bot, uh, goes into a lot of stuff about the logistics of the New Republic fleet in a way that very few other books do. I honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think any other books really come close I don't think to any that come close. No, yeah, to the level of like hard military sci-fi that Black Fleet Crisis does, uh, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, is the most enjoyable part of these books. Then you have a second plot, which is Luke finding out about their mother, in quotes, because uh, mm-hmm. it, it's all lies. Uh, but he's approached, he's approached by, by a Falanasi. Yeah. yeah. An adept basically, of the white current, which... She tells him that his mother is, um, is basically one of these... At one point, someone calls them a witch. Is basically one of these four sect uh, members, yeah. uh, part of the Falanasi, who do come up quite a bit later on. Um, including Akana so, herself mm-hmm. and so that that's another one and then there's a third uh, plot string which is the there's this mysterious ship called the Taljikon Vagabond um, which has kind of appeared through space kind of an interesting premise almost like a bit Star trek in a way where there's like this mysterious ship and anytime someone gets close to it it, it you know puts out this big loud sound and then it jumps away um, and sometimes even shoots at people and has destroyed a few ships. So there's kind of the big mystery of what's going on there. And then, of course, that mystery is being uh, tackled by Lando, Lobot, R2-D2, C-3PO, and... Uh, is that it? Is there someone else with them? Yeah. No, like just the, just the military people they're with. And their little task force they have, yeah. Lando is so, basically bored, so he's looking for something to do. And Drayson's mm-hmm. like, hey, we want to find this ship. Go join that mission. And you yeah. get the A team of Star Wars with Lando, Lobot, R2, and 3PO. Mm-hmm. This is like the only place that you really see Lobot outside of the movies, too. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that. Because um, Lando really does kind of like Cloud City does become another sort of mining operate or another money making operation for Lando. Like he doesn't go back to Cloud City like and take up permanent residence there for any large period of time. Like, yeah, he runs there sometimes. Or they make reference to it, but he's always got, like, he's got, like, the Nickelon mining base. He's got all these other things going on. So, yeah, we don't really see a whole lot of Lobot, whereas, like, Nine Numb, on the other hand, he shows up a lot. That's just kind of one of the other side characters who, um, kind of contrasting with uh, Lobot. Yeah. So what do you think about the uh, the split between the different storylines here? Because I know which ones I like and don't like, but how did you feel about the Luke yeah, one? Yeah, I the... mean, the split itself is fine. Like, the fact that they split it is yeah. fine. That's a very Bantamera Star Wars thing to do. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Whereas, from, from best to worst, we have 
there's also kind of another split when Han Solo kind of goes off on his own, but that's just not really. That's more so, tied into the, yeah. like the Black Lead stuff. I kind of group that in the Leia stuff because yeah, that goes between a few different point of view characters, but mm -hmm. it's still ultimately the same. Uh, yeah, the same plot. Yeah, so that one's the Black Fleet stuff is obviously the best. Uh, the Teljakon Vagabond stuff is the middle tier, at least what we've gotten so far, which is only very little bit of that in this book. And then worst is the uh, the Luke stuff. Yeah. And I think this book is probably going to be the best out of the three. It's been a very long time since I've read these, probably five years. Um, I re or probably not quite that long. I reread them kind of when I started doing YouTube full time. But um, I remember that I kind of like in this case, I enjoyed the military stuff. Like I, the fifth fleet's a cool idea. And there's like the whole idea that this fifth fleet is like, it's meant for defense, but it's become this big political hot hot button issue where mm -hmm. people are claiming that it's going to be a tool for offense and whatever. Um, so that's the most interesting. And then I think later on in the later books, they start leaning on the Lando and the Luke stories more. So I think I'm probably going to end up enjoying those less. Yeah. Like the, I think part of the problem with uh, the with the Luke plot and part of the problem with the military plot, which is still, I think the best one is that Luke and Leia are just, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're really bad in this book. Like, yeah, they're almost like unreadable. Like yeah. she's awful. Luke is bad, but yeah, like the, the themes of all this plots tie together really well. So like, it's clear what he's going for with all the different mm -hmm. ones. But there are some of those characters that kind of fall flat. I think almost all the supporting characters are really well done. And even Han is really well done. But yeah. Leia is just absolutely awful. Yeah. And Luke is pretty awful. Not quite as awful. Not quite as like... bad as Leia. Because so Leia is basically dealing with Nil Spar, who's the uh I forget what's his title again. He's the Viceroy. The, the Viceroy, yeah. Um Viceroy's before they were cool, I guess, because this was before the Phantom Menace. But um, but yeah, so he, he's she's basically dealing with him the whole time, and the the Duskon League is it's a pretty powerful kind of faction within the galaxy. Like they've got a few like thousands of stars in their area now. Yeah, not all of them have planets or whatever, but it's a pretty big chunk of space. And more importantly, it's kind of between the New Republic and the Imperial Remnant. Yeah, um, it's almost it's not quite on Hapes level, but it's like. Maybe sub Haven level regional regional power, but it's very close to the core. Especially they also don't know, yeah, like how powerful it is. Like they're not aware that they've got all these ships. Um, yeah, and it's it's close to the core, which is like that's where the empires and the deep core. So they're kind of concerned. The New Republic is about getting hit in that region at all. So I think the, New I think the empires actually left the deep core now, haven't they? Uh, no, because they're concerned about those ships going and joining Dala, who is at this point in the deep core still. There's well, always kind I of I think those. they're mistaken about that because they talk about like the Battle of Arinda's happened in, at this point because yeah, they talk about it. So that I don't was think they have wiped out all the because Dala just goes back into that area again. Like, I don't know if the replacement See, warlords I, are I still there. I but... them not knowing that Pallion was in charge because it wasn't Dala gone at this point. She was gone, but she was still commanding stuff in the core. Cause like she leaves and then she comes back later with the Maw regular fleet. So she like goes to the deep core, then she goes to the Maw and back. Like she's in a, a weird uh, superposition between the Maw and the deep core for a while. 
and like Pelion has the Penistar alignment area, but there are still some warlords left in the deep core, and there kind of always are. Uh, and Dala I kind, kind of, of just read them that as a, that, that makes sense. I kind of just read it as um, as the New Republic not knowing because the the Dala stuff like they wouldn't know that because it does happen kind of in secret. Like she just leaves after yeah. Yavin or whatever. But okay, it's interesting. Um, Either way, the Empire is not really a huge threat at this point. The New Republic is is more powerful. Like, and that's kind of like one of the main threads is like the New Republic at this point really can can bloody anyone who tries to fight them. Like they've got five really powerful fleets. They've got one fleet of all these brand new ships, um, new starfighters, like everything, everything new, everything powerful. Like the first 10 pages are just wanking the uh, the new fleet off, which was kind of cool. Um, but that's also like leading to maybe a bit of complacency. Um, and kind of the annoying thing about Leia in this book is that she's spending, she spends months probably, or at least a month talking to Nilspar, who's kind of just, you can tell he's just pull, like pulling her around. Like he, he says in their first meeting that he doesn't want to be allies and she's like obsessed with it. Like she makes him into a project. She's spending all this time on him. And then that's frustrating. What what's even worse is, of course, the Duskun League or the Yavathans or, you know, there's lots of, you can call them whatever. Um, they end up starting this basic, this genocide, essentially, against other factions within the Kunat cluster. They're kind of expanding. And everyone's bringing Leia this information because she's being played while this is happening. And she just is like, She's just not willing to see the, the very obvious truth that yeah. she's been completely screwed. And she's like blaming Akbar for it. She's like, Oh, you set this up to try to make me look embarrassed. It's like this is Akbar you're talking about. Yeah. Like he doesn't play politics. Like that's the whole point of the Throne trilogy. Yeah. But uh yeah. She gets set up by No Spar, and then towards the end of the book, she just refuses to talk to anyone. She's like, Maybe I'm gonna yeah. resign. Like yeah, she's like, I'm gonna go sleep for two days. Yeah. Like that. No, that's not your fucking job, for one thing, but... Uh, yeah, and, like, yeah. even when these genocides are happening, there's, like, planets that are, like, petitioning the New Republic to, for like, basically to join, because that's the only way they can offer any defense, and she's like, eh, I'll think about it. She's like, I'm gonna go sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, Come on. But I guess at that point, she doesn't realize the full extent of what's happening, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, Leia's kind of supposed to represent this kind of personification of what Luke's talking about earlier on in the book, mm -hmm. where the theme there kind of is, like, what is the responsibility of, uh, of a state or whatever organizational unit you want to talk about to, to use whatever power they have for good? What can they... What is good or bad about, like, isolationism? Because on the one hand, you have the Yavitha who are uh, basically going to go out and kill everyone if the New Republic doesn't step in. But there's mm -hmm. also the example of the Quella early in the Lando plot, where yeah, their whole thing is, yeah, they made the Telchcon Vegabond, but they only stayed on one planet. They got complacent. And mm -hmm. like the book says... Uh, they had no reason to leave, so they never did. And then in the course of like eight years, their planet got covered in ice and no one heard from them again. So yeah. early on in the book, Luke is talking about how uh, when Jedi reach a certain power level, 
they go off and hide because people want too much from them. And the Jedi are like individual Jedi are kind of personified versions of what the New Republic is facing here in the themes of the book, at least where this is the worst part. Yeah, this is just it's just completely wrong. Uh, But sorry, I'll let you continue. Yeah. So like Luke's thing is that he's so powerful now. People want all this stuff from him. His life isn't his anymore. And Leia kind of experiences that later uh, when she kind of breaks down over it. So Luke Mm -hmm. is going into Hermitage. He gives the Jedi Academy over to Shreen uh, and then leaves, which is something he's never left the Jedi Academy before. So this was really strange for him to do, just abandoning all his students. Yeah, never. No. Yeah, this this doesn't happen. Jets off and does his own thing. (laughs) Is there any book where he like actually is at the Jedi Academy when bad things are happening? I don't think it happens. Passed out and what's it called? (laughs) He he wasn't mentally there. Academy three. (laughs) But like, yeah. So Luke says that. there's a whole early thing about how uh, in Luke's mind, like, oh, Obi-Wan or Yoda could easily have just fucked up the Empire shit, but they Which they move like, beyond such. Yeah, so there's a lot in that this part, because you kind of got to usually as a defense for like bad takes on prequel stuff, like the defense is this came up before the prequels, if you're talking about Banta era stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this book, it's like, it's just wrong. Like, so there's a few things that are wrong. First of all, Luke assumes that Yoda has been on Dagobah for a hundred years, mm-hmm. which is obviously not true because for one, there's nothing that implies that in the, in the movie. And for two, um, Obi-Wan talks specifically about being trained by Yoda. So yeah. I, I guess you could assume that he went to Dagobah, but kind of weird. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Finish. And then the, the other, uh, the other thing is like you said, Luke has this idea that, oh, Yoda and Obi-Wan just became complacent sitting because they became so powerful and they were scared of using their power, basically fall to the dark side. But like, that's not true at all. Luke doesn't defeat the Empire through power. He defeats the Empire because he's the son of Darth Vader. Like, it's it's not like Yoda or or, like, it's just it's just a really bad kind of take. And I mean, Luke's going to discover that that's a bad take, but it's kind of like a non-starter, really. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like it's Luke's really whole weird. thing is uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda weren't hiding. Why would a Jedi go to a to a jungle and a desert not to hide because the Empire, the Emperor could find them anyways? Uh, like they definitely wouldn't go to the childhood home of the person they're hiding from with the kid of the person they're hiding from with the same name. But like they, they wouldn't do that. They, the Empire could still yeah. find them. They were out there because they were so powerful, people wouldn't leave them alone, and they just couldn't be fucked with dealing with everyone's problems. Because you either have to do everything everyone asks you, or fuck off and do nothing. Those are the two options, which doesn't even track with the stuff we get in the original trilogy, though, because Obi-Wan especially was like actively working against the Empire when he leaves Tatooine. Like His job was to watch Luke, and then he goes out and tries to help. And then he kind of he sacrifices himself. Yeah, because, he tries like he goes yeah. to, the, to the Death Star. That's a good point. Like Obi-Wan, if he hadn't needed to kind of sacrifice himself at that time, like maybe he would have been more actively involved in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't that he was going to go back to Tatooine and mm-hmm. Yoda was just super old by that point. So, yeah. And I mean, it's also like, yeah, it's just really weird because it, even the expanded universe has kind of dealt with this. Like the Thrawn trilogy talks about why Yoda went to Tat or went to Dagobah. 
It's like because it's like it's such a weird planet, like they couldn't be found there. I'm sure at this point too, they've also talked about kind of what you mentioned. Why? Like I've I've never heard this take before. Like Luke realizes that they they're going to hunt the Jedi Purge. Like like that's in A New Hope within the first half an hour. Like there was a purge. The Jedi were wiped out by the Empire, and like this is why like I'm here. So. Yeah, definitely a weird take, especially where we know the Clone Wars was also a thing that Obi-Wan was a part of. So the idea that he's just hiding doesn't really it just doesn't track that he and the Jedi in general, like that they were still powerful Jedi. And they went like Luke is kind of thinking of it as this Goldilocks zone in the middle of their training where Jedi go and actively help the galaxy. And it is kind of weird because this take almost informs Jason's take later on that the Jedi mm-hmm. need to go and be kind of these navel-gazing philosopher monks that don't interfere in the galaxy before yeah. he goes and really badly interferes in the galaxy. <laughs> uh, but there, there is another connection to later stuff here, uh, just on the... with the purges, because the way Luke learns about Order 66 is through memories R2. locked in R2. And R2 does mention yeah, uh, in this that, that those files, like... No one's ever cracked an R2 unit like that. And they have stuff that's locked away forever. Uh, and like it really does, because I just read Dark Nest Crisis, and there's so much in that that parallels or references this stuff. So I imagine Troy Denning had to have read these three books mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of like that in The Rise of Skywalker too, where it's like, because I remember one of the things about R2 is like, there's a good chance they're going to destroy him, isn't there? Mm. Or like, there's a chance that like, if when Luke accesses this memory, it might kill him. Um yeah, in uh, in Darkness Crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Except whatever they, they do to unlock his core memories or whatever, which like is kind of bullshit. Because R 2s like he's also just saw this shit going down. He never got a memory wipe. He could have piped up at any moment and been like, "Yeah, like I saw, like I saw this shit he, happen." <laughs> well, in Darkness Crisis, R two is actively trying to not show it to Luke because he thinks it'll be too much for Luke to see. Yeah, but I mean, he still knew like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's just like certain things you can't really make sense. Like Luke could have R2 was like there for like all everything. Yeah. So like he could have been like, yeah, the Jedi didn't do this or like the Jedi did do this or like why don't you check out and Luke's 20 year hunt for his mom. Like, oh, yeah, I met her like I lived with her for a while. (laughs) I saw her and her and your dad bang a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Want to see those recording? (laughs) Do you think that would be like, you know, some people are like, don't let the dog in the room. You think it's like that with droids? <laughs> it has to be. Well, fucking Akbar goes to Han and Leia's house, and he he basically breaks yeah. in in the morning. He's like, "Sure hope they're not fucking." <laughs> Anyways, into the bedroom. Doesn't knock. Just yeah. The dogs are barking. He's like, "Shh, I want to walk in on them." <laughs> uh, yeah, I do like uh, Han's a bit of a, a house dad in this in this book, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Yeah, this is the only time like, either of them have been good parents, and it's just Han. Yeah, and Han Han tries. Like he's I, actually, I take that back. Sorry, he is the terrible dad to Jason right now. Oh yeah, he's like Jason's a bit fat, isn't he? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, no wonder he. <laughs> this is like the weirdest portrayal of Jason, Jaina, or Anakin anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think this tracks with what's in the Corellian trilogy, or like I I don't know. I think this came out. Before the Krellian trilogy, track with the but, Jedi Academy trilogy. But. Yeah, I I forget the order any of that stuff came out in, but it's just such a different take on Jason than literally anywhere else. It's like he's this inside homebody, whereas like everywhere else, he loves animals, loves the outdoors. 
kind of funny because Ben sort of gets that portrayal at one point. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it's Jason. Remember, I forget who it is. Where it's like they're moving boxes, and Mara's like, "Don't use the force, you lazy fuck." Is that Jason that she says that to? I think that's Anakin. That's when he's. Oh, Anakin. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, because Anakin know, cause would. Isn't that when she's sick? Oh, when she's talking about the Coom spore, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because like Jason was always. Early on in the Vong War, Jason and Anakin are always butting heads because, like, Anakin would use the Force to do everything, mm-hmm. and he was kind of blasé about it. And Jason mm-hmm. was a lot more like, "Oh, you can't do like that. every time you masturbate, a kitten dies." Type yeah. of thing. Every time you use the Force, and it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Ben because Ben kind of withdraws from the Force after the mm-hmm. war. And the reason he spends so much time fuck. with Jason is because Jason's the only one that can kind of get through to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot that Anakin and. Um, Mara kind of go off on their own for a bit. Yeah. I, f- I forget where she's like, where is she? Because she's like somewhere. I can't remember though. Where is Mara right now? Or No, like wh- where is Mara when she's sick? I can't remember. Uh, they go to, her and Anakin go to Dantooine. Oh, yeah. Because that's when get... the battle happens. Because they're just running around. head shaved at some point? Uh, that's on Duro. When there's... Right some sort of infestation happening so all the solos end up shaving their heads You're talking about when she was pregnant with ben oh okay <laughs> that was an infestation too <laughs> oh. mm. she almost killed it um i i had yeah i had uh, one funny note i had for this is um when they're talking about how like they've got alone time or like when they come home it's like they've got this routine where the kids go into the pool and like they swim around and stuff and then on and leg time together and they say it's a chance to rail and obviously they mean a chance to like <laughs> complain about the day but i just yeah the idea that that a star wars <laughs> book would write so like <laughs> there was a chance for han and leia to rail I'm like yeah <laughs> get more of those little Maybe. solo kids yeah yeah Once there's a hero one almost destroyed the galaxy in the third who knows so. yeah there was somewhere that leia says uh, like, I'm doing all this to make sure my kids can grow up in a safe yeah. galaxy and none of them have to go through what we went through. Like, uh, Sith Lord, uh, dead, and Jaina, almost dark side. Like she was on very a bad traumatized. Path. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jaina was on a bad path. I don't know. I feel like having a sword of the Jedi is probably not a great idea, but who knows? I'm kind of, I'm sad we didn't get trilogy. Me too. I mean, she, she settles down after the Darkness Crisis, but from like, uh, the start of the Yuzon Vong War up until the end of Dark Nest, or up until she murders her brother. Murders I mean, she also kind of marries a fascist, but... Oh, yeah, well, this. yeah, there's that. Um, Jaina's whole life kind of, not the best. <laughs> that little thing. If she gets married on a superstar destroyer, no, no, it's normal stuff. <laughs> Just reinstates the Empire her parents took now. <laughs> yeah, reinstates the Empire, gets married on a superstar destroyer, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, it, well, like, I mean... The Fell Empire just gets rid of that whole democracy thing her parents cared about. It doesn't. It's yeah. it's still a nice empire. There's a towers and armor, Justin. The, our ship's called the Megador because we're mega nice, not because it's <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, that, that's a few different empires at that point, and they become one empire. Just yeah, all the isn't it the Megador she gets married on though? I thought yeah, yeah. It's like, but like the the Empire and the Fell Empire, I don't mm-hmm. or the Chist. It, it's all it's all the same thing. Yeah, just looking at some of my notes. Um, another thing I thought was funny is so I got for notes. I got Senator Pyramus. I just want to remember his name. 
had chance to rail. I say they think Dahl is still a control. Hundred year per a hundred year hermit. Leia being difficult. And then I wrote Biss don't exist because at one point they're like the ship is headed back towards Biss, and I'm like I bet you it's not headed towards Biss. <laughs> Biss is gone, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the area in space formerly known as Abyss. Yeah. It's like, they just got to throw an A before that. Yeah, exactly. Um, going so yeah. to the Abyss. Did you notice... Other... Oh, Sorry, go go ahead. ahead. I was just... The other thing I wanted to kind of ask what you were... What you thought about this is... They talk a lot of numbers in this book. And one thing they say is that there are 400 alien species in the New Republic on 11,000 worlds. What do you think of that? To me, the world sounds like it might be right, but there's yeah. definitely more than 400 species. In there. there are uh, maybe yeah. like you can probably uh, shimmy that around with some like, oh, these have direct representation versus these are part of other areas Ruled represented by, by the. Yeah. yeah. So like the Naboo sector has. Whatever, so, yeah. Or the Chamal sector. Uh, did you notice that uh, there is a Canadian uh network the belarus class star destroyer no (laughs) that's uh that's different but the the news network that gets name dropped did you know notice that it's a canadian station no what is it boys uh global oh no i didn't notice that channel six baby around here global added a new item to the feature queue a speculative report that princess leia had already resigned as president i could see global's like the I guess, yeah, I guess Global's supposed to be like the Coruscant only. It's not, no, yeah. it's no Perry Needbow News Hour, but. No. It is what it is. Um, I enjoyed that aspect of like the kind of West Wing style. It's like shit's going down the Senate. It's like turn on the big TV that every room has to have on and like see what's going on. Enjoyed <laughs> that. It was good. Yeah, I, we get so little look at like, uh, media and entertainment in star wars so i always like when we get that i like the uh i gotta say i also like the uh admiral drace and stuff too he's basically he's kind of an interesting character because he's and there's one point where leia's like so he he's this kind of like black ops intelligence guy he yeah. works for was it sector or sector blue i think uh, alpha blue alpha blue which i always thought and... just referred to the poison but it's the the actual agency or agency and the Leia's like, who do you report to? And he's like, no one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's like, just like you, like, I'm a leader, and, like, the only thing that I report to is my morals, so, like, hope that I do the right thing. Yeah. And it's like, Even says he's got later. all these connections, he's, like, he, like, can work his way into, like, secret places. His, um, he's got literally no oversight at all because his, his like, little faction doesn't even technically exist except like briefly under some decree that Mon Mothma created, which by the way, it doesn't really seem like something Mon Mothma would do. I don't know. It seems like the kind it's... of thing that Garmbel Iblis would say Mon Mothma would do. But yeah, maybe I'm, I may be thinking about canon Mon Mothma too much, but she always seemed to be pretty kind of about rule of law and democracy. And yeah. So like creating a secret, it's not really a secret police, but it's, it's like secret intelligence agency with unlimited reach, basically. Yeah, like they've got ships. They've got yeah. Creates the NSA. Mm-hmm. But is yeah. it Star by Star that has Akbar coming back in and use on Vong War? I think it is. I can't remember to be honest. Because uh, that makes a whole big deal about uh, about like Akbar being a fish out of water for too long and like 
that's part of why he is dying at a relatively young age. Yeah, and Drayson's making him run around the track. Yeah, like, <laughs> my note here is Drayson killed Akbar. <laughs> yeah. Um... Like, Akbar's got, he, Akbar's supposed to be in water. He's always He's saying, fish. like, yeah. uh, like all this physical exertion. This yeah. Yeah. Akbar racist, and his physical exertion is not good. He needs to be in water. He goes to Mon Calamari in the uh, Jedi Academy trilogy so he would live underwater. And he's, he's having trouble keeping his lungs wet, the poor guy. But yeah. uh, Drayson keeps making him come out and run around. Everyone's making him run around. And he dies like, like seven years a, later. Yeah, and he's a dignified being. So it's I don't like the idea of Akbar on the side of like some racetrack. Like, like <laughs> you can just imagine. And like Drayson's throwing shade, but I'm like, okay, bring this underwater, bud. Yeah. Let's see how you do. Like Drayson <laughs> and Abad are... Uh, are exercising all the time and Drayson calls out Akbar for being flabby. It's like can't fucking breathe, I'm bud. A fish, bro. Yeah. To be fair, Etienne Abat's like a hundred, so Yeah, I think he he's close to two hundred. Like he's like that old dude at the gym who's just fucking giving her on the on the tread on the stair climb. You're like, oh that's easy. You go on and you're gassed thirty seconds in. He goes into the locker room and the guy is invariably hanging dog every time. <laughs> he's got a foot up on this <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> just shaving his butthole but uh <laughs> the gym i don't know but yeah that's how that's how i imagined a bot um and i i kind of imagined i was trying to picture like because akbar's got his residence that's one thing i also like they visit all their residences on coruscant mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll talk about luke's in a minute but i imagined akbar's is like a, a dam where you gotta like swim underneath to like yeah. arrive like Kind of how I pictured it. I don't know how you how you saw it in your mind's eye. Yeah, I kind of pictured it as uh, the whole Victory Lake thing has always been weird because mm. where is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, this book also like portrays Coruscant a bit more. I mean, some of the Bantam stuff portrays it as a bit more. Yeah. Of like a just heavily built regular up terrestrial than, planet yeah. with a big city, like. I, I can't remember if the later stuff gives it as big of an ocean, but like in this Han goes out, I guess we'll talk about Luke's place now. Han goes out to basically the coast and it's, it almost seems like it's a bit more like Naboo out there. Like he talks about yeah. there being big estates and stuff. And I don't think that's something that really carried on later. Like, yeah, no. I think there's reference to, there's always reference to the Minari mountains and I think one ocean, but it's never, it's kind of, you know, it's an ecumenopolis. It's a worldwide city. Yeah. So it's not like, you go out and it's like just home hardware is out there. <laughs> yeah. Stuff that mentions it later does make it more like it's there's the large reservoirs and it would be more like one of those. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like there's the skiing trip and everything. There's the, yeah. uh, all the big estates. But earlier on we get like Luke is always looking for hints about their mom. The first like Akana comes and talks to him says his mom is someone named Ashira, a, a adept of the white current. And mm -hmm. Luke goes to Leia. Leia's expecting the whole time, like, oh, Luke's going to help us raise the kids now for some fucking reason. Because apparently winter is not enough. And God forbid Leia has to spend five minutes paying attention to her children, uh, which I don't think she does in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, she says she's going to, but... Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so Luke comes like, hey, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm gonna go find mom. Can I probe you again? And Leia just 
fucking blows up on him like stop living in the past help me raise these damn kids none of them are gonna die like Actually, they're your kids. children like yeah raise them yourself like i if i was luke i wouldn't show up there either not because i'm afraid like not because i want to be a hermit that just disengages from the world but because i don't want to help my sister raise her kids 24 7 i will go and play yeah. with them i like my nephews and but, it's like uh, it, it's not that yeah and it's the fact that leia also just doesn't know how to do it so like yeah. luke's like yeah i'm not gonna be a crutch for you like you've got to learn how to do this yourself um yeah also i just remembered about the minari mountains i was thinking isn't remember there's a line there's like in the book one of the high republic um Linus Lena Sue or whatever her name is has a meeting at the Minari Mountain. It's like at Monument Plaza, and mm -hmm. it's literally there's a tip of the mountain coming through. I just remembered that. Um, so it's like they've built even over the mountain in canon because it's like yeah. the literal tip of the mountain comes through the plaza, and it's like that's like a big thing, like one little pebble. You just yeah, it it's like it's literally like, and I looked it up, and there's a picture, and it's like because I think this might have been concept art or even in one of the movies. But yeah, it is like it's like literally a boulder coming through. <laughs> so, yeah. But there was so Luke's whole thing right now is like, oh, uh, Padme or the person who will later find out is Padme, but not Panda actually Bear? Padme because a can is lying. Padamame or Panda Bear, whatever the fuck her <laughs> name is. Uh, Luke's like, she could be alive. She could be as young as 10, as young as 50. And I did the math on that. Yeah, I was. It... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Like, she'd be fucking 10 if Luke was, like, when they, she had Luke and Leia when that, because, like, I know the whole timeline shifts a bit, but, like, no one thinks that Luke and Leia are 10 years old in the original trilogy. Right. Yeah, I was trying to do the math on that, too. I couldn't remember what, uh, what year before the storm took place in. Um, no, I think, isn't it, like, 17 ABY, or is it 12? 16, yeah. 16? Yeah. It's 12 after Endor, right? Yeah, so that'd be thirty-two. Okay, I guess I guess that it should be as thirty-four up to eighteen, as, or yeah. could have been eighteen when they were born. That's not as unreasonable as I thought. Like it's well, still incorrect, it's but as like a lower 18, board, right? So yeah, so yeah, so yeah, thirty-four. So yeah, so she'd be like fifty-two as the absolute youngest she could be then if she was eighteen when she had them. Because yeah. they have no idea who she is or how old Anakin was, so I I can give a pass. How old was Padme? Or how old how old were Anakin and Padme again? Anakin would have been like twenty three by episode Anakin three. Anakin was in his fifties when he died, wasn't he? Or his forties? He was. I guess his forties. I think he was forty three. No. Was he forty three? Like everyone aged fucking horribly, and I guess falling in a volcano doesn't help. But like, yeah. he would have been 45. born in forty. BBY. So he'd been 40, yeah. yeah. 45, yeah. Yeah, I always remember looking at. <laughs> there are two people in Star Wars that I always kind of related to. One, or that I always saw as someone in real life. Actually, three. First was him, like when he takes his mask off, because he looks, besides for all the scarring and the no eyebrows and stuff, he looks kind of like my dad. Um, second is the Luke. The suit is spot on, though, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. The second is Luke, because my mom had short hair, and Luke had hair like her. <laughs> okay. The third is the worst one. The third is my grandmother, because Palpatine reminded me of her. <laughs> I love my grandmother, but she had she did have that look. <laughs> she does. I mean, yeah. she's got dementia now, so it's, it's more like crazy Palpatine, but... 
Yeah, very sad. Yeah. But yeah, every time I see it, I felt so guilty too. I was like, that looks like Nanny. I can never tell anybody. <laughs> and now you've told the world. If she hears it, she'll forget it, so I don't mind. Um, God, uh, I... Yeah, Anakin's 43... 45-ish? What number did we settle on there? He's not very old. No. I mean, Obi-Wan's only... What? He'd be mid-50s, late-50s? Mm-hmm. Not great. Yep. Well, I think the worst has got to be Aunt Beru, right? Yeah. Because she's not even 50. She's, I think she's younger than Anakin, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. She's 47, but she looks like 65. Like, it... and I'm pretty sure they had a literal model play her in Revenge of the Sith. Like, George, buddy, what were you doing? <laughs> like, I'm think... pretty sure I read that the girl that plays her played young on was a model so it's like for one it's already pushing it but it's like how bad are these tatooine sons man yeah like the the whole thing where the clone wars were 10 years earlier and 10 years longer was definitely the original intention none of none of the character ages make sense the way it's portrayed but i mean George would have known, like, because he knew how old, unless he thought that there was going to be more of a gap before Revenge of the I think Sith, he maybe. very, like, I think the way the Clone Wars played out were very different from what he originally would have thought. But yeah, but even I mean, by, by the, the time... time he was casting, like, he could just move to, like, because there's no reason that, uh, that Owen and Maru had to be a certain age, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? He yeah, just cast an actor, he could have casted anybody. There's no reason they had to be, well, I get, no, they, they had to be like 18 by the time episode three happens, if they're going to raise Luke on their own, unless yeah, Luke they, gets they, left they with been older. I'm saying like he, they, they could have been third. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been. Yeah. But yeah, it, well, I guess to have them be connected to his, uh, basically Anakin's stepbrother at all. Like, cause otherwise Shmi has to get married at a time when they're fully adults. And they were already pretty old. And usually like, if your parent gets married to someone at that age, you're not going to have the same kind of like family connection. Like they wouldn't be as willing to take Luke in that situation. I'd have to assume. Cause like mm-hmm. Tatooine doesn't seem like a place that you're going to have a ton of extra resources to feed an extra mouth that you don't know anything about. Yeah. Like I, I really think like the clone wars were definitely intended to be much earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And the whole 12 movie arc that George had planned initially in his notes. I think he got up to 16 at one point, but uh, but yeah, let's move on. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about for this book? I mean, I feel like we've only kind of. Uh... I'm, trying to, I'm just I got I've got a nice old yellowed version here that I'm flipping through. There is a point a that Leia version. has where like you can't just I disagree with how Leia handles everything, but I do agree with her of like, you're in these negotiations with people and she lets it go way too far. But mm-hmm. like the Yavitha are just stonewalling them. Uh, so she should have known something shady was happening. But at the same time, Abbot and Akbar's insistence that like, no, we should be able to just go into this sovereign territory yeah. and do whatever the fuck we want. Like, no. Yeah. But later on, when they start nuking everyone, or when you get evidence that they're going to do that, 
then you have some authority to act or some um, yeah. mandate to act. There's like, like a line between Team America World Police and not letting people get genocided. Yeah. Which, and I gotta say, I really enjoyed, well, that the last scenes in the book are very dark. The, uh, I, what are the, I forget what they actually call, what what do the Yavithans actually call what they're doing? I don't know if they use uh, genocide. Purification or if, is what Leia purification. calls it. Pretty dark, Sanitization. Man. Is it sanitization, like see, by the way? We see several planets like just get wiped out, and I really enjoyed the uh, the one guy who survives in the tie interceptor. Like that, I was definitely cheering yeah. for him. Um, that was a good scene. Like that's that that was all well written. I thought. Yeah, like it, it's very uh, Hitler and Chamberlain almost, of mm-hmm. like uh, Leia's declaring all the oh peace in our time, and then Nilspar just fucks everything up. <laughs> like. Y- yeah, like you, you maybe could have got away with it for a bit longer, like claim one plan at a time or something. But yeah, <laughs> he's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill these kubas because they're ugly as shit. Yeah, like, and then I'm gonna go in my, I'm gonna go bang all my wives. Like I, I think a lot of what Nilspar is doing on the political maneuvering side to discredit Leia, like I can see how that would work. But then mm-hmm. when he gets when you get to that point where it's like, oh, all these colonies actually only existed to spy on us, even though like some of those worlds, I think at least the entire species that belongs to would realize like, oh, no, actually, we've had that colony for a while. They didn't exist entirely as a spy facility on you. Like, I think what he's trying, he's what he's gone counting on is the fact that nobody goes in that part of space. Oh, yeah, August is about to break in just a second. Yeah, like like nobody goes in that part of space, not even like traders or anything. So I think that's what they're relying on. But yeah, yeah. Um, what else was I gonna say? Um, yeah, I, I, the best guy in this book though is definitely the guy who finds the Imperial Order of Battle. Like the he's like the one guy working in that office somewhere who's like yeah. been holding just for the good Imperial computer and he finally gets one and it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, so you found a list of shipped <laughs> lame. <laughs> and I do kind of find it difficult to believe that like they haven't been able to get one of those yet. Yeah. Cause like, they capture fucking chimera even. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, they talk about how like during the battle of Endor alone, they captured like four ships and that would yeah. have been before there was like wide scale kind of, yeah, like I they mean, they kind of justify it by saying like, oh, this was a sector commander ship or whatever, uh, and like they would have had an information that the others wouldn't. But like they've captured Grand Admiral ships before. They've captured pretty important star destroyers. Uh, they captured a little thing called uh, Lusankia. Lusankia, yeah. And so yeah. Sorry, just one second. No uh, but yeah, I, depending on uh, you can nod or shake your head if you want to move on to questions. Okay, so I'm going to pull up the emails right now. I think we've got quite a few to go through this week because uh, it's been it's been a moment. It's been a minute since we've been able to do our emails. I think we did on the uh, on the Shatterpoint episode, but I don't think we haven't we've done it since. So. Uh, yeah, sorry, we got to that one. So. Our first email today is from Christopher. I don't think we've read this one. 
So. So this is more related to the Young Jedi Knight stuff, but okay. it's asking, do you think Raynard's journey in Fate at the end of Legends was good writing for the character, or was he shafted too hard by the writers? So kind of more related to Young Jedi Knights, but... Um, no, I don't think he shafted that hard. I mean, he recovers, so I, th yeah. I think it's hard to say that, you know, he shafted too hard. Yeah. Um, he's, he's fully pretty much redeemed by Fate of the Jedi. He's got scars and stuff, but, you know... Yeah. He was, I, it's hard to say, it's hard to describe him as being shafted when he's such a minor character in mm -hmm. everything. Like the fact that he got top billing in Dark Nest Crisis is, that's more than he probably deserved. It's not like he was, like he, he got better over the course of Young Jedi Knights and he was like in the NJO, he was like doing the right thing for the right reasons and everything, but uh the fact that he became a focal point was probably more than he could have expected anyways i think he got a he got a good plot yep it, he's a tragic character uh his background makes sense uh, i but feel bad for the guy more but, tragic yeah. characters <laughs> yeah he doesn't get sent to force purgatory like uh jason so lobaka gets kind of shoved off for a bit mm -hmm. lobaka and yep. tesser and tahiri end up on uh dagobah yep so, I think he's a good character. Uh, Javier's question here is about the High Republic, so I think we'll probably get to that in two weeks in the Into the Dark episode. Let me just pull up the email so I can read the next one. Um, you said okay, so we've got Garrett next. Yep. Um, he says, "Hello, longtime listener, first time question asker." My question is, what do you guys think of the whole NJO's different timeline to the Denningverse and Legacy Era type theories? Um, I've seen people say NJO was the good ending. Well, okay, so I, I think we can, I think we can probably get the idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, I think that the end of the NJO, like that last scene, especially on Kashyyyk, is definitely set set up to be the the end if that's how they chose to do it. But they obviously didn't. And yeah, I, I know you like Legacy, and like they're all connected i like so. legacy in the force yes legacy yeah. i'd like less but. yeah yeah so for me i don't see them as a different timeline I, I think they all work well together i think the vong probably could have been integrated into later stories a bit more but mm -hmm. not to the degree where i see them as different stories at least they the vong kind of get like shoved off at the end of uh mm -hmm. at the end of njo and there there's the whole statement from uh nash choka that like oh we'll help you at this point anyone who doesn't surrender the Vong will work with you to kill any of the holdouts of Vong forces, which very much do exist across the galaxy. And mm. we can kind of assume that happens off screen in the next five years. But yeah, I, I understand where the theories kind of come from. Oh yeah. But the, the only extent that I can agree with them is to the same extent that I would, you could characterize almost every author of having their own distinct timeline and world. Cause like, it's a collaborative world-building thing, the expanded universe. And you could point to some authors like uh, Lucino and Anderson in particular as doing a lot of legwork to bring different stuff together. But fundamentally, the stories that everyone is telling are more focused on certain characters or put more emphasis on certain character relationships or character traits. Uh, we already talked about how in this book, Luke and Leia's portrayal doesn't really jive with what we know their motivations are elsewhere or how they act elsewhere or what their story will be elsewhere or the Obi-Wan and Yoda stuff. And you kind of just have to accept at a certain point that like 
there is going to be stuff that clashes, uh, but singling out one thing as being, uh, or one author as being that much more divorced is usually kind of counterproductive because it gives the idea that it is more one person than anyone. Like Troy Denning has so much influence over the post NJO period that it's kind of easier to point to that. But yeah, that's part of the thing too, where it's like they did kind of go High Republic esque, where they had like mm -hmm. four authors or three authors, depending on the series, kind of um, doing a lot of it. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Like Legacy, I think the comics diverge in a lot of ways. Part of that is just the hundred year gap, and then what does it answer or not answer between Fate of the Jedi and there? But mm -hmm. even then, it's like yeah, you can treat them as different things, but if you go in understanding that like each author's bringing their own characters and their own motivations to the table, you can say the exact same thing about Timothy Zahn, who probably does more to isolate himself from other Star Wars authors and other Star Wars works than a lot of authors do, like, intentionally. So it, it's hard to say that it's just like, oh, this is the Denning verse and everything else is this one consistent thing before then. Yeah. Uh, his other question was, I've always wondered about the whole Jedi Queen slash Darkman vision jason had within the context of the legacy comics i think the the who the dark man is changes a few times right like sometimes it's jason himself sometimes it's luke i think sometimes it's darth crate yeah um it does get addressed the, i think yeah yeah it it is supposed to be crate isn't it in legacy it's treated as crate i think and there's like some direct mention of it but mm -hmm. i'd have to and then the queen is uh isn't that alana alana yeah I think she's still around there because I, I did a video on like the Skywalker family tree a while ago and I've looked more into legacy since then because I think I made some mistakes in that video and I like a lot of that does get kind of mentioned. Yeah, OK, Um, let's read the next one. Next up is from Justin. Uh, He just wants to talk about final uh, flight games campaigns. Uh, I don't think we've got any news right now, so. Yeah, uh, when there's news, there'll be news. You're yeah, doing one, right? Yeah, I'm doing some uh, like I have a pretty consistent series that is spare on my gaming channel. Uh, but the with the series that the two of us were doing with like Shaq and Wasted and Charlie, mm -hmm. uh, there was it's probably safe to assume that like baseline assumption there should be that we're probably not getting back to that. There was unfortunately a big issue with like uh, stuff getting claimed. No, with, no, with us directly, but in the, yeah, buddy, yeah. don't put that around your neck. Like everything's good with us all, but uh, there was an issue with uh, tabletop sim assets and everything and how they're used. So Shaq would have to collect a bunch of new assets, clarify that the assets he's using were not any of the problematic ones uh, mm -hmm. as far as like permissions and copyright claims go, because I think there were some channels that were actually shut down. Yeah. Asset use. Like Shaq has Which a was lot really of really sketchy. I mean, we yeah. can talk about that, but. Yeah, yeah. They got like, basically repurposed official artwork, then started claiming channels, which yeah. is really questionable. So Shaq, understandably, doesn't want to put his channel in that position, risking that, even if it would be an unjustified takedown. So, uh, like, he'd have to rebuild the whole thing because he's very invested, in, like, making sure that when he does those campaigns, he has the full table set up. So it's a lot of work for him to redo that for essentially one episode. So unfortunately, it probably does mean, especially this far out, that we're probably not getting to that. Yeah. Um, Joel asked two, so maybe we'll just do one of his. Um, 
Plus the one, two emails. Let's. I'll read the one for Black Fleet Crisis. Um, okay. We assume the Mandiverse will lead uh, to a Thrawn trilogy loose adaptation. How do you think that can play out and still more or less lead into the mesh the sequel uh, lead into or mesh with the sequel trilogy? Uh, and that was one question. The second was also, do you think the recent Palpatine contingency article from StarWars.com is an indicator they won't be ignoring the post Endor plot line? Uh, did you read the article in StarWars.com? I It's just kind of a summary of the everything like the contingency and. Palpatine coming back. There was a little bit of new information, but not a lot. I don't think it really indicates that. I think it was more just like a Star Wars database entry, really. I don't yeah. I don't read too much into that personally. Um as for the Thrawn trilogy adaptation, I mean, as long as you don't do too much with like Luke or any huge war, I think you can Yeah. Buddy, I, I think you can get away with a lot. <laughs> yeah, like the It's it's kind of the same thing as like the the thousand years of peace before yeah. uh, before the Clone Wars. And like we still get stuff like the Stark hyperspace war. Uh, we still get in the canon side, we get the stuff with the Nihil. So like you can you can afford a pretty sizable conflict depending on how you frame it exactly and where the threat comes from. So like, is this going to be stuff that a lot of these characters are doing more on the covert side to shut down a threat that like Thrawn's cooking up? Uh, and maybe that'll lead into something later. Maybe it all gets resolved pre-sequel trilogy but i don't think uh the way that the sequel trilogy talks about like oh the the empire's been kind of dead for a while means that there's like no room for military activity in that time or no room for a kind of smaller war in that time yeah totally agree um i think we've got one email left uh we've got one from justin who says this just again so question for Corey. uh this is a kind of an Empire War term. What is the difference between hard-coded or soft-coded? As someone who's going into programming, I've not even encountered the term hard-coded in many of my classes or any of my classes. So it's it's less of a programming term and more of a kind of modding or game development related term where from a modding perspective, a hard-coded thing would be something that's part of the engine, something that's not accessible to modders. So it's not malleable. It's just there. You can't touch it. So all the stuff in Empire War that we can't modify would be hard-coded. That's basically what that means. Like the opposite, and like something soft could be like a texture or like an XML file changing something or like yeah, anything like you can... anything accessible, yeah. anything you can modify. Uh, I've never heard the term soft-coded used, uh, mm -hmm. but I guess that would be the kind of corollary yeah. to hard-coded. So that would be yeah. basically how that gets wrapped up, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other... I'm just going to check the emails. I think that was pretty much... Yep all of it oh did you see my copyright thing i got the other day i tweeted about it um, uh which i put a video out about whether that was scorch and the uh oh yeah yeah because uh the demonetization not copyright right yeah oh yeah sorry sorry demonetization um yeah so i i got flagged for inappropriate content and i'm 95 percent sure yeah i'm 95 percent sure it was because the arrow was pointing at his uh his cod piece Look, so, everyone's been telling you that air is going to come back to bite you someday. So. And it did. And it was a human who it was a human who confirmed it. And I just got a, a, a tweet or a, a message from Team YouTube on Twitter saying, are you satisfied with us? No, I'm not. Maybe they think like scorch is some new term for like it's hot. You were calling scorches dick scorch. It so, could be like some dirty sex act. Yeah. Like you, you lock your partner under the sheets, then turn up the uh, thermostat really high. Um, 
thinking out loud here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for watching, everyone. Yeah. Is, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think we got most of the questions. Um, I think we talked about the book this time because there was stuff that happened in this book, unlike the <laughs> Emperor's Plague. Yeah. So yeah, next week we are going to be talking about the Bad Batch finale. So it'll be kind of a season wrap up with a heavier focus on the finale itself. Mm -hmm. uh, then the week after that, make sure you read Into the Dark if you want to read along with us, because we are going to be talking about that with Kings and Generals. Mm -hmm. And uh, then after that, we'll be we'll probably have another week of Young Jedi Knights after that, and then get back into Shield of Lies. Yep. So sounds good to me. All right, so with that, I think it is time to say goodnight. August, do you want to help me? Do you want to sign off and say goodnight, everybody? Do you want to say rate five stars? Rate five stars. Okay. Hey. There we go. Exclusive. <laughs> but yeah, right. goodnight, everybody. And um, make sure you leave... Next episode, too, I'm going to be checking the episode reviews, so make sure... All right, make sure you uh, leave a review with the word crunchy in it if you can. Right, there you go. Have a good right. night, everyone. Good night. Oh, uh, Minecraft in 45 minutes on, on uh, YouTube.com slash X2, Twitch.tv slash X2, and Twitch.tv slash Corey Loses. There it is.